the story that Josiah read for us about Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. As we continue uh, this morning, our exploration of two of the most important themes that we find running through the Bible, covenant and kingdom. And again, this morning, I'm drawing on a book and some other materials by that name. We've seen over the past weeks how what God desires most is, is for us to be one with God in, in a covenant relationship, to walk deeply connected to God, to, to know that God is our parent and that we are his kids. But God also wants us to know what that means. That if God's our parent and our parent happens to be a king, that means that we have royal blood flowing through our spiritual veins. And, and like any prince or princess, we represent our dad when he's the king. So we actively represent God here on earth. We're tasked with responsibility to represent God's kingdom. So we have covenant and we have kingdom. We have being and we have doing. We have relationship and we have responsibility. Um, remember, if our faith is in Jesus Christ, our covenant identity comes from God, our Father. We didn't earn our identity. We can't earn it. But it's been given to us as a gift. And, and because God's our parent and we're God's children and we represent God in the world, we obey. Obedience flows from our identity. Also, as we're going to see today, um, our kingdom authority comes from our obedient submission to the king. And, and with that authority, there's power to accomplish whatever kingdom purposes God has for us. So today we're going to see how these two strands of covenant and kingdom are woven together in the person of Jesus. And specifically, why the identity aspect of, of, of the covenant is so important. And uh, we're going to explore that in the temptation of Jesus. And what we'll find is that the reason that Jesus is able to represent the king so well, the reason he's able to exercise God's kingdom power, is that Jesus has a firm grasp on his identity. If Jesus' identity were in question, if he questioned whether he was God's son or, or, what, or, or that God had given him the authority to represent God in power, then everything would have begun to fall apart. Because identity is connected to authority, and if we don't think we have the authority of the king, then we can't exercise the king's power. So let's look at Matthew chapter 4, where we see this. Jesus has just been baptized and uh, you can go to the next slide, just say just the black one. Um, and, and God, at, at Jesus' baptism, has affirmed Jesus' identity, declaring, this is my son whom I love, with him I'm well pleased. Don't you long to hear those words? Yes. And, and then for Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes on him, and, and the first thing that the Spirit does is lead Jesus out into the desert to be tempted. And, and there in the desert, Jesus fasts in, in solitude for 40 days, and then the tempter comes to him. Now, there's a phrase that the tempter uses a few times in the story that's going to be crucial for us to understand what's happening here. And the phrase is, if you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. What's the tempter doing here? Well, he's going after Jesus' identity. He knows that if he gets that, it's game over for Jesus' ministry on earth. Jesus' identity is the whole ballgame, and the same is true for us. Over and over, the tempter ha has come after and will continue to come after your identity and my identity. 
does that ring true for you like it does for me? Now, now in the temptation with Jesus, the devil goes after Jesus' identity in, in three distinct ways, and, and they're often the ways that he continues to come after us as well. The, the devil appeals to Jesus' appetite. You're hungry? Well, turn these stones into bread. And then he goes after Jesus' desire for affirmation. You want to know that you're special to God? You want everyone else to know it too? Well, jump from the temple so that God will have to send his angels to catch you. What a spectacle that will be right there in front of everyone. Think of all the affirmation you'll gain. Then the tempter goes after Jesus' ambition. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. They're mine to give. Appetite, affirmation, ambition. Let's spend some time on each of these three A's and explore how the tempter was trying to get at Jesus and how we experience the same temptations as well. Because for each of us, uh, one of these is probably being tested even now, today or this week. Often it's subtle, it's under the radar, it's very sly in ways we don't always see. So first, appetite. It's not surprising that the tempter goes after Jesus' most obvious desire first because Jesus hasn't eaten in 40 days. Can you imagine? I'll bet Jesus was so hungry at times during that period that the stones around him were starting to look like bread. He'll need food soon to to just stay alive, but where can he find food in the desert? So far, God, his father, hasn't supplied any. And the tempter suggests to Jesus that that Jesus prove his identity as the Son of God by taking care of himself. Surely the Son of God has the power to turn stones into bread. Appetite is a funny thing. It's, it's like a child that's always clamoring for attention, calling to us. <laughs> there are things that, that our mind, that our body crave, and, and we start to wonder whether or not God will satisfy these desires and cravings. Almost unconsciously, we start to think, I don't trust that that God, my Father, can give me a good life. I don't trust the identity God has given me, but but I think I'll just be happy enough if I can satisfy this craving, this appetite myself. And so our appetites create a wrestling match between us and God about who's going to control us. Is it going to be our desires or is it going to be God's word? We start to doubt that God will will give us the things that we need, so, so we take matters into our own hands. But Jesus knew that God would provide for him because of his identity. And so Jesus refuses the temptation. Jesus was essentially saying, I'm secure in my identity. I trust that God is my father. He's a good dad and he'll take care of me and I won't buy into any other lie. And so for us, what are some of the different appetites that go after us? Food, sex or porn, the gym, body image, Personal comfort, TV, Facebook, Xbox. These are things that that we often crave. And and while they're not wrong in themselves, as we crave them, they begin to to shape our appetites in incredibly unhealthy ways. and, And they can begin to control us. And we lose the capacity to say no. And we stop trusting that God will give us good things in a healthy way. And so we take them for ourselves. So what should we do? If the tempter is going after our identity in this way, how do we respond? Well, what does Jesus say to this temptation? He, he remembers God's word that, that God said, 
people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Not by bread alone, not by fulfilling our appetites. And so since ancient times, the church has recognized that that we need to practice the discipline of saying no to our appetites. And, And here's the wisdom that they've gained and they've handed down to us about how to do this. Uh, The the early church fathers used to say that if you can say no to one appetite, then you can develop the capacity to say no to others as well. Dallas Willard put it this way. He said, say no to the thing you can, so you can learn to say no to the thing that right now you can't. Wise words. In other words, go after it indirectly. Start where you can start. Learn to use your will to give up something you do have power over so that the door of your heart then becomes crowbarred open and God's spirit can then give you the power over the other things that you can't handle right now. In church history, this is where the tradition of giving something up for the 40 days of Lent began. But you don't have to wait till Lent to begin to tame your appetites. So appetite first. Then second, affirmation. The tempter then encourages Jesus to jump from the temple, to to make a scene, to prove to himself and everyone else that he's special to God, and and that will gain him a quick following. Have you noticed that that all of us as human beings, we, we find our identity outside of ourselves and how others view us or what others think of us or what we can accomplish or achieve. And and it can be easy to to seek the affirmation of others in in lots of ways and and let what they say dictate how we see ourselves. As someone who's worth something or as someone who isn't. So instead of being secure, instead of being at peace and having confidence about who we are as God's child and and living in this unshakable reality, instead we we look for quick hits of, of affirmation and we let what people say shape who we think we are. The problem is that people's opinions change. And to be honest, we're not always perfect, are we? Sometimes we deserve some of the negative things people say. But but what are the ways we we look for affirmation and and, and identity from others? Well, do people think I'm good at my job? Do people think I'm a good husband or wife? Do, Do people think I'm a good parent? What do they think of my kids? Do people think I'm smart or that I'm cool or... Uh, Do people think that I dress well? Do people like me? Am I popular? Do people think I'm successful? Do people think I'm godly, that I'm generous, that I'm prayerful, that I'm a servant? Uh, The tempter will use this, this addictive need for affirmation to cripple us. But instead, like Jesus, we want to live for our Father's smile. Not in people telling us how wonderful we are. So how do we do this? Well, Well, Jesus refused to jump. He refused to test God's love or or to do anything that would cause people to flock to him in affirmation. Well, we also have to remove ourselves from from the places, from the cycles where this addiction starts. We we have to go to the source. Many of us do things just so that people will will affirm us and for no other reason. Many of us have, have questions we ask people that we already know the answers to just to hear them say it out loud so we can feel good about ourselves. And and it becomes addictive, and we we wind up needing people to say certain things to believe that we have any value. 
And, and so we have to go to the source. We have to find the people, find the cycles that, that are, our, are, are our hits and remove ourselves from those places. Give up the affirmation and instead remind ourselves that God loves us so much and that's enough. You know, I remember when I, I first started as a pastor, I was just figuring out that I was pretty decent at preaching. And, and people would start to come up to me after the service and say how much they liked the sermon and how helpful it was to them. And they felt God really touching them through it. And, and it felt pretty good that, that God was using me and that people were being blessed. And, and I was excited. And then I'd go home, and, and we had little kids at the time, and as a pastor's wife, Anne had been single parenting these little kids all morning at church all by herself because I was busy talking to everyone, hearing how good my sermon was. And, and so she gets home and she's frazzled and the kids are hungry and the baby's crying. And, and I come home and I'm ready to bask in the afterglow of how great the morning was and, and secretly how well I'd done. And, and all Anne wants me to do is hold a baby or change a diaper or make up some tuna fish so the kids can have some lunch. And, and, and guess what? This was exactly what I needed. To be reminded that my identity was not in how well I'd done or what people had thought. So that I could find it instead in how much God loves me. That I'm his child and and that's all. Third, ambition. You notice that each of these three easily leads to a different type of addiction. Addiction to certain appetites, addiction to affirmation, and for ambition, addiction to success or winning. The the tempter says to Jesus, I'll give you power over all the kingdoms of this world. They can be yours right now if you do it my way. Bow down to me. He, He was offering quick success. He was offering to make Jesus an instant winner. It isn't that being successful or, or winning is, is always wrong. It's, it's when we need it to give us our identity. If I lose, if I don't get that promotion or raise, if, if I don't ace that test, if I don't get noticed, if my kids don't get those grades or into those colleges or onto those sports teams, if I get laid off or, or, or if this person is outperforming me, then, then I say to myself, ah, I'm a failure, I failed again. And that's how I see my identity, failure, at least until I win again. And when the tempter has us chasing success, then we're practically useless to God. We can't be God's representatives. We can't be God's ambassadors when when we're seeking to win and advance our own kingdom before God's. Because we don't have enough time, we don't have enough energy, we're too preoccupied with ourselves. But, but this temptation is, is hard to beat because no one likes to lose, right? We didn't all come to live in Westchester County by losing. I mean, come on. We're, we're so conditioned to compare ourselves to others or to see ourselves as winners or losers. So what is it that we need to do? Well, we need to do what Jesus did. He chose to lose. No, devil, I don't want the kingdoms of the world. That would be bowing down to you. I'm going to lay down my life instead. That's how God's kingdom will come. And I'm the son of God. I have a good, good father. God loves me completely. Even in my failure, even even in my failure, that love of God is enough for me. 
And so I will trust God completely for my success as well. So how might we choose to lose? Well, how about if an argument is, is going a certain way that, that we choose not to have the last word, but rather to lose the argument? We choose relational harmony over winning the argument. Or for you super competitive types, what, what if next time you're playing a board game or basketball or whatever, what if you play to play rather than playing to win? Enjoy the game, encourage your opponent, and don't worry about the outcome. Maybe don't keep score. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ouch, yeah. <laughs> or, or how about this? How about going above and beyond at work and don't let anyone know? Choose to lose the opportunity for gaining that extra edge at work. Or at home, do something special to serve your family and don't tell anyone so they can't thank you or owe you or repay you. Make it a discipline where periodically you choose to lose. That, that will wean us from ambition and it will allow us to grow into what Jesus was. He, he was unshakable in who he was. He was secure, he was free, and he was peaceful, whether he won or not. Jesus walked into the temptations fresh off of his baptism, where his father had said to him, this is my kid, I, I love him, I'm proud of him, I believe in him, just thinking about him makes me smile. And, and here's the good news of the gospel, what God says to Jesus, God says to you, if your faith is in Christ, if you are in Christ. God says it to you, but has it sunk in? Do you live in that day by day, or has the tempter sucked your identity away? Do you remain unshaken in, in who you are when, when your identity is attacked? Do you know you have royal blood flowing through your veins? Do you know that you have a father who is good, who is always fighting for you, always wants what's good for you, and loves you no matter what? If you pay attention to this, if, if you keep your eye on your identity, this is what happens. If you want to flip over to Luke's version of the temptation story as we wrap up here, Luke chapter 4, or you can just listen to it if you can't find it quickly. Verses 13 and 14 of Luke 4. This was after Jesus had temp was tempted in the wilderness like we just read about. We read in, in Luke 4, 13 and 14, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. So let's look at what's happening here. Jesus is baptized. The, the Holy Spirit fills him, uh, falls on him. And, and then the Spirit leads him out into the desert, and Jesus undergoes the struggle and suffering of the desert. Just like we saw last week that Joseph went through, and Moses went through, and the Israelites went through, and we go through. And so in the same way, Jesus came to identify with us. Jesus chose not to be immune to all that we go through. But Jesus endured the trial and the struggle, and in it, he clung to his identity. And, and he wrestled through, and he overcame temptation. And so then he emerges from that temptation with kingdom purpose, with kingdom authority and the power of the Spirit. Notice these two things. And Josiah, if we could go back to the last slide with the two triangles. First, when our identity is threatened, 
there's enormous opportunity for growth. Covenant growth that will eventually make us much more effective for God's kingdom. In this time of testing, our our character can be strengthened and and we begin to live into a more unshakable covenant reality that we are God's kids. And and when that happens, when we begin to truly believe whose we are and and who our father is and what the royal business is that, that our father is about and the authority God gives us to represent him in that business, then our prayers and our life and our being start to have far more power. Because we are in covenant with the king of the universe. So what God has is available to us to live out God's kingdom purposes. And so we have the power of the resurrection itself available to us. The other thing we notice as Luke wraps up that story, his story of the temptation. With the devil leaving Jesus, but it's saying he left him until an opportune time. The tempter comes back, right? (laughs) Where do we see the tempter coming back later in the story of Jesus? Well, one time is in the Garden of Gethsemane after the Last Supper, where, where Jesus wrestles with his desire not to lose, not to have to die, not to have to suffer, not to lay down his life. But through that time in the, in the garden, Jesus again surrenders his own will, yet not my will, but yours be done. I'm going to trust in you, Father. So here's the, the takeaway for us. Even as we deal with our identity now, even as things are are settled and we build that foundation now, later the tempter will return again at an opportune time. But every time the tempter does, there's yet another opportunity to press in further to who we are in our Father and, and to more kingdom influence and impact. So this week, I encourage you to think about where you are being tempted. Is it your appetites? Is it your desire for affirmation? Or is it your ambition? Don't worry about all three. Just work with one. That's plenty. (laughs) Appetites, affirmation, or ambition. Don't let it rob your identity. You are dearly loved by your Father in heaven who says, this is my son, this is my daughter whom I love. With him, with her, I am well pleased. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for showing us the way. Thank you for giving us what you had in terms of your covenant relationship with your Father and teaching us how to live as human beings, as sons and daughters of God, as part of your family and pursuing your kingdom purposes. Please teach these lessons deep, root them deep in our hearts so that we can be secure in your love for us and our purpose in the world. Amen.